Hey, it's Ben. Thank you for listening to the Upgraded Executive Podcast, where you're bringing you insights from experts around the world so you can improve your personal and professional performance. Welcome to episode 30, Brain Voltage, Leading Edge Brain Science. In this episode, Nick and myself are talking with Paul Sobo. Paul is the Director of Sales and Marketing at Wavi Medical. Wavi is a multi-faceted brain performance assessment tool. Wavi make it possible for everyone to establish a baseline scan to be able to measure their brain's performance and then track the effectiveness of their efforts on improving it. Prior to joining Wavi, Paul helped rapidly scale a nutrition company, Complete Nutrition. In this episode, we deep dive into brain voltage, what it is, how to measure it, and what the huge positive impacts can be to a person's health, well-being and performance. Please like and subscribe on YouTube, iTunes or SoundCloud and visit www.upgradedexecutive.com forward slash subscribe. We will send you a special link so you can access the videos one week before we officially release them. Paul, thank you for your time and nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Love it. Thank you for having me on. So could you firstly start by explaining to the audience who you are, your background and how you came to be involved with WabbyMed? So Paul Sorbo, background, pretty simple. I was your full, I don't fit the mold kid. You know, went to high school, primary school, you know, graduated with a lovely 2.8 GPA, great test scores, but, you know, was never really fully engaged in school. Ended up going to college, uh, wanted to be a doctor or a neurologist, uh, for lack of a better term. I opened my first business while I was in college. So I opened a nutritional store. So I had my first store at the age of 19, took it over from a franchisee, turned it around. We were the number one profitable store in the U.S. out of 330 locations. Ended up growing that to about 23 locations and then was in charge of the growth of part of the franchise development program, helping grow to that 330 locations while I was going through my pre-med courses. But during that, really kind of got involved with preventative healthcare and realizing that people don't have to be on pharmaceuticals to be able to help live a better lifestyle. And I would have people, you know, we worked on a customized nutritional basis with every single one of our clients that came in and, you know, they drop off their blood pressure medication, they drop off their cholesterol medication, they drop off, you know, their antidepressants, anti-anxieties. And they'd go into their doctor and the doctor would say, oh, that medication's amazing. And they're like, doc. I haven't been taking it for six months. I've just been working out, sleeping, eating correctly. And so that really got me involved in preventative healthcare. My great uncle is a really, really phenomenal gastroenterologist up in Minnesota here in the States. And, uh, you know, we had a really honest conversation between both of us. And he goes, you're going to hate healthcare. It's going to put boxes around you. Boxes are what you fought your entire life. And so I went and started my other company with my business partner while I was doing consulting in the nutritional industry. We still own that today. We do uh, distribution through China, South Africa, here in the United States, through every large retailer that you can think of. And then introduced to Wavi. And I actually unfortunately lost my grandfather to type 1 frontal dementia um, slash Alzheimer's slash they, we really only found out a little bit after we autopsied. But uh, personally, actually had a couple of brain injuries, number of concussions as I was growing up with snowboarding, mountain biking, you know, football, lacrosse. And, you know, when I got exposed to Wavi and the fact that you can image the brain in four minutes as a full clinical assessment, both on the performance side of things and the medical evaluation side of things, 
It was something that I was extremely passionate in. You know, I got the opportunity to help grow and expand the company. And now we're here two years later. The audience may have limited experience of what EG headsets actually are. Can you describe to people in layman's terms what, what they do, how they work? Yeah, absolutely. So EEG, for lack of a better term, looks at the microfrequency that's coming off of your scalp. Everyone's brain produces electronic frequency in what we call as microvolts. So most people are familiar with brain states of alpha, beta, theta, delta, gamma. And all we're doing is we're measuring the concentration of basically electrofrequency coming off your scalp. We're not actually doing anything to the brain. Typically, what this would do is it would take about, you know, anywhere from an hour to three hours in a hospital, five to $10,000 later. It's not really actionable data. You'd have to send it to a neurologist, get it interpreted. What Wabi's really done is we've taken that data and that technology that's been around since 1970, and we've made it accessible in four minutes for you know less than a hundred dollars most times with most practitioners so that and it's actually actionable data that people can do we also do not only eeg but we do evoke potentials when evoke potentials are basically how well your brain is processing any sort of sensory information how much energy does your brain have to donate towards anything and how quickly does your brain respond to any signal you explain and can frame what an erp is and the difference with eeg ERP is actually pulled out of an EEG signal. So we have to be able to do EEG to get an evoked potential or ERP. So basically what happens is when I snap, everyone's brain processes that at a speed and a strength. It's basically how much energy your brain has to donate towards any given signal. Now we can do this auditory based or we can do it visually. And then there's also a time that that happens at. It comes in through the ear goes to your thalamus, bounces off your cortices about 10 times, your brain says, ooh, yeah, that was different, or that's a signal, or I need to do something. And that's what an ERP is. And that value is actually called P300. Again, it's been around since 1970. It's not anything new. But the best part about it is it's extremely actionable data. It's literally something that we can measure you to you on a regular basis, and we can compare you subsequently whether it's pre-post-injury, pre-post-intervention, year-over-year for prevention of dementia and Alzheimer's. And it's an extremely reliable marker, but it's also a universal marker. Just like we would test your cholesterol on a year-over-year basis, your blood pressure, we can do your brain as well, and we can see exactly how your brain is processing sensory information. And Can you explain the difference between Wabi Performance and Wabi Medical? Yeah, so Wabi Performance is our line that we make accessible to every single person in the world. Whether you're a high-performance coach, whether you're a nutritionist, whether you're a MD, whether you're a biohacking facility, whether you're Jim Quick, Dave Asprey, it doesn't matter. Anybody can do this scan because it's just a wellness device. We're just measuring how well, basically, your brain is processing signals. Our medical line here in the States will be a fully insurance reimbursable side of things. It's a very limited platform. It has one test, one insurance reimbursable side of things. But the nice part about that is it does make it insurance reimbursable, which makes it accessible to a good majority of people on that side of things. So that's the one thing we're working through right now. But we didn't want to stop at that because with an FDA clearance here in the States, what we have to do is it has to be a medical doctor. Well, I don't believe that this data should just be in medical doctor's hands. It should be in everyone's hands whether it's a fitness facility, whether it's a nutrition club, whether it's a high performance, you know, athlete, it doesn't matter. You know, 
just because you're testing someone's brain prevention of dementia and Alzheimer's, well, why shouldn't we be testing their brain on how effectively they're recovering or an entrepreneur, you know, to make sure how well that my brain is processing signals and what can I do to improve that with my lifestyle? You touched on it there that well-being starts with the head. Well, I mean, your head controls everything, you know, it's, you can live without some organs, you know, if your heart shuts down, we can restart it, we pull your brain out, there isn't a whole bunch working anymore. So I think it's so important, because we haven't been able to tangibly really touch the wellness of our brain, ever. And now with something as accessible as Wavi, what we're able to do is we're able to measure that, how your brain is performing at any given time, and we can really look for the efficacy of it, and see what lifestyle interventions are making a direct impact, whether it's good or bad in every area of life. Can we do a deep dive action in terms of the benefits? Again, I know you've touched on them in answers to those questions, but if, again, somebody doesn't know anything about this, what would you say the whole raft, and I know there's lots of them, benefits are with using one of these devices? Yeah, so I'm going to start with a couple of really bold statements. A, I believe that 90% of dementia and Alzheimer's is fully preventable. The problem is, is that we don't image the brain until things are already too late. Whether there's an injury, whether there's self-diagnosed cognitive decline, whether there's you know, emotional issues, we're not imaging any of it on a preventative basis. And that's for a couple of reasons. A, it's never been accessible. B, it's never been affordable. That's where Wabi really bridges that gap. Instead of waiting 20, 30 years to measure cognitive decline, we can measure it hopefully at the beginning. So if I start measuring you at 20 years old and I have a year over year brain scan on how your brain is performing, if I start to see an issue, whether it's just a lack of voltage or a drop in speed, whatever that may be, what are the things that I can look at in your lifestyle? How are you sleeping? How's your cardiovascular health? What's your diet and nutrition look like? What's your stress levels look like? Or I like to call them strain levels because I don't believe in stress. But there's a whole bunch of different things that we can look at. And if I can start to optimize any one of those or our practitioners or our people or our collaborators that we work with can collaborate to optimize any one of those things and return that voltage or that speed back to normal, how much are we preventing? Versus if that continues to go 15, 20, 25 years later, well, at that point, we're already too late. There's been damage that's been done for 25 years, right? So if I cut off blood flow to your arm, for 25 years of your life, what's going to happen to your hand? It's not going to be very effective. What people don't realize is that's what's happening to their brain every single day by simple lifestyle choices that they're making, whether it's nutrition, sleep, exercise, lack of any one of those. You know, 67% of America, almost 70% of America is morbidly obese. Type 2 diabetes is the highest it's ever been right now. You know, and there's a good majority of America that's walking around with, you know, 30% plus percent blockage in both their carotid arteries. If you're walking around with that every day, it's not your cardiovascular health, it is, but it's also what's happening up here. In terms of how it could be optimized for people, you touched on sports people or people in leadership roles. How would that work? Whether you're in a leadership role, let's call it an executive. You know, your value is here. You know, it's not your day-to-day operations. It's what you have to offer your company, your employees, who you are. If this starts slipping because you're not sleeping, you're not exercising, you're not doing any one of those types of things, you're becoming less valuable not only to yourself, your family, your employees, because you're not able to be 100% of you. 
well, how do we know what 100% of you is? Well, we have to have a place to start, right? You can't have a map without having a starting point. So let's get a starting point, and then let's look at lifestyle interventions, whether it's simple things like just looking at your sleep habits. Let's look at the light therapy that's happening. Let's look at your exercise habits, but then we can go even more in depth. We can look at biohacking things like infrared sauna. We can look at things that help balance brain waves. We can look at all these different interventions. And what can we do to optimize how well your brain is processing signals and extending your career, extending your brain's longevity, hopefully is what we're trying to do. From an athletic performance side of things, my wife used to be an Olympic athlete. And, you know, one of the things that I noticed from a nutrition background is a lot of these athletes are malnutritioned. And, you know, what is the effect that that's not only having on their body, but their brain? You know, I see it every day. So if I can get you to recover physically, why shouldn't I be able to get you to recover mentally more efficiently? Whether you're on a long plane ride, whether you're overtraining, are you overtraining? Does that make a difference on how well your brain processes signals? Again, you have to have a measurement to be able to optimize these things. So it's not just on a preventative thing. It's on a recovery. It's on a performance aspect. You know, and we can even go more in depth and I can say, if I have a baseline lobby scan on every single person in the world, you get in a car accident, you want to know exactly what's different. If I don't have a starting point, I can't tell you what's changed. Then I can figure out the therapies that can actually rehab you to get you back to your starting point or better. Having looked on the website, is it a Momo designed helmet of sorts? Is that So we collaborated with Momo. David Joffe and David Oakley are founders. David Oakley being a Nobel physicist or Nobel collaborator. He actually used to run the particle accelerator at Los Alamos. So he's got one or two brain cells up there. And then David Joffe was actually the co-creator of the Pulse Ox. One of the things that they really wanted to do is if you look at most traditional brain devices, they're not aesthetically appealing at all. And they're extremely intimidating. And how do you want to convince people to get their brain scanned if it's an extremely intimidating and over-encompassing thing to do? It shouldn't be. So we collaborated with Momo, who's very famous for the safety of Porsche, Ferrari. Over in Italy, we have some great collaborators over there that helped us design the headset to be something that we can do a full clinical brain evaluation in four minutes with. And it's extremely comfortable to wear. It's super easy. It's fun. People love it. It comes in a whole bunch of fun colors. It's really exciting. So would I feel anything when I'm wearing it and it's taking four minutes? Literally, all you're going to do is four minutes. We'll do the auditory test in four minutes. Your eyes will be closed. We'll be playing a series of beeps, some low tones that are every second, second and a half, and then a random high-pitched tone. And whenever that random high-pitched tone happens, your brain says, ooh, that was different. When we're able to measure exactly how your brain processes that signal, how much energy, how long that takes to happen. I mean, the best part about this is you can't fake it, right? If you come in tomorrow and I'm like, all right, look, I need you to think faster or I need you to think stronger. There's nothing there. So that's where it becomes a really valuable tool, especially in athletic performance when we start researching things like concussion protocol. We can really take out the variability aspect on is the athlete faking it? Well, they can't fake this. So I've done it for four minutes. What happens then? So once the four minutes is over, what we're able to do is we're able to pull out the data. Literally, it's instantaneously actionable data. It's not like it has to get sent to a neurologist. Your full report comes out. Whoever the practitioner is, they'll go over it with you. We can make recommendations. We can look deeper into your health. And we can look at markers like ADD, ADHD correlations, depression, anxiety correlations, both how your brain is processing signals as well as how quickly your brain is or you're physically processing signals. We can even look at the individual coherence of your brain. It depends on how deep you want to go. For some individual neurofeedback practitioners, we're able to look at individual brain state 
in concentration and communication of brain states across the entire cerebral cortex. So it really is an actionable device that a lot of our practitioners, collaborators can start to use to create customized therapies for their patients and our clients. So Paul, I was wondering, is this something that somebody can use in their own home or is it only for individuals to work with practitioners? Yeah, so I do have some individuals utilizing it in their homes. You know, obviously there is a barrier to entry on cost. I call it extremely affordable for a medical device. I mean, we're a tenth of the price of most clinical EEG devices. We're a fraction of the price of most QEEG devices out there. I mean, it's extremely usable. That being said, you know, it was still designed as a full medical device. So it depends on your cost. If you are an individual that has the means, absolutely. It's something that I can have most individuals trained in three to four hours on completely to run a scan. Does it make sense to put it in someone's home? I guess. I mean, that's why I'm working with so many personal clients nowadays that are coaching clients because they have all their clients that they're working with, whether it's lifestyle, business optimization, et cetera. You know, they do own these and it wasn't ever an area that I thought we would be in, but we are in. Brilliant. And how does this link up with neurofeedback, Paul? We recently interviewed Dr. Andrew Hill, and he was talking about his work with the Peak Brain Institute. And it strikes me that if you can take a brain scan only in four minutes, then there could be a really effective neurofeedback application there too. Yeah, there totally is. And that's why we're starting to expand so much into this neurofeedback world. A lot of the neurofeedback practitioners right now are so QEEG driven. And Cues are amazing, right? But the problem, or not even the problem, what cues measure is state dependency, right? It's fluidity states. So your brain state, my brain state, Nick's brain state, anybody that I can name, all of us have a different brain state. And if I change something, if I give you a million dollars, your brain state's going to change versus if I slap you across the side of the face, your state's going to change, right? So the reliability from state to state can be a little bit questionable. And so establishing a baseline is really hard. And that's what I'm, you know, I almost have a little bit of a, not an issue with neurofeedback, but I think that there's a different conversation that we need to be having. Neurofeedback, we're talking about upregulating alpha, upregulating theta, delta, beta, right? Well, the reality of the fact is you're not in any one of those states at one time. You're in all of those states. So I'm a low alpha producer. It's just how my brain is, right? Why do I need to upregulate my alpha? Is that what's right for my brain? Or am I a theta-driven individual? Or is that state dependent on my lack of sleep? Is it dependent on how focused I need to be? Is it dependent on my state of being at that current time? Is there a purpose that I'm in that state? So when we start to look at these Q-driven markers, what they're lacking is they're lacking the functionality side of things. And that's where these values like P300 really give you this in-depth view of how well the cortex is functioning. It's not a fluid marker. It only varies about 5%, plus or minus 5%. So now if I compare the functionality side of your cortex with the state, so if I see impaired functionality, let's say in the left frontal cortex, and I see an off state, comparatively speaking, to your right frontal cortex, now what can I do with neurofeedback to help balance those two cortex, those two areas of the brain? Can you explain it in layman's terms, just so I've completely got it? It will sound good. <laughs> yeah, so in layman's terms, basically, states change. Depression doesn't exist. Depression's a state. There are people that are prone to things like anxiety and depression, but by controlling their lifestyle, they can change their brain state. Right? And I can show people that. Your states are fluid. 
you go from happy to sad to tired, whatever it may be on a regular basis, and that's okay. But the way that your brain actually processes sensory information only varies 5%. It's a really reliable marker. Now, if I see impaired functionality somewhere in your brain because something's going on, there may be a way that that matches up with the states and the way that those states are changing in the cortex. So let's say that I had an injury. So like perfect example, when I was 15, I had an occipital blow during one of my snowboard competitions that I was completely unconscious for. In the back of my brain, I have really low functionality or I used to before I started at Wavi. I've been rehabbing it for almost two years now, which is what is a really cool person's story. But when you look at the symmetry of my right and left cortex, basically the right and left-hand side of my occipital lobe, my states were different. I was really high theta on the left, and I was low theta on the right. So one of the things that we started tracking is how those states were changing as my brain was rehabbing. Now, this has never been accessible information, so I can't tell you what any of this means but it's all research that we can do. These brain states are now something that we can hopefully start to make sense of, the coherence and the way that our brain is communicating from theta to alpha to beta to delta is something that hopefully we can make sense of as we're also looking at the functionality or how well your brain is actually functioning. Does that make sense in a little more layman terms? And you touched on brain coherence there. What's your view on meditation and also people use your device in conjunction with meditation and what the results been like? That's a really broad question. My view on meditation for what? In what aspect? Yeah, I suppose pre and post brainwave coherence. Yeah, so it will change. Meditation is designed to change your brain state, right? And that's where devices like Muse are out there and they're showing, you know, some things, they're not super reliable devices, but they're good for, you know, individuals at home in a home setting. Clinically, if you want to look at, you know, truly how a brain state is changing pre-post meditation, that's where a perfect application of a Wabi comes in. You know, we can measure you pre, go through a meditation course, whatever that meditation may be. There's so many different variations that are so amazing. But what meditation works best for you? Can we actually look at these different states that are changing via the different types of meditation for you as an individual? The other thing that we can do is we can also look at that functionality. Is the meditation allowing you to break loops? Is it allowing you to change the functionality of your brain? I don't know. Nobody knows because this has never been accessible information, but that's what we really want to make accessible with Wabi. What's your view on epigenetics? I'll revert back to my previous statement. 90% of dementia and Alzheimer's is fully preventable. You may have the genetic marker for dementia and Alzheimer's. Does it mean you catch dementia or Alzheimer's? No. There's a whole part of equation. Genetics just indicate the amount of protein that's being produced in your body. Protein folding is ultimately indicated and controlled by the environment in which you store your body in. High acidity, low acidity, high stress, low stress, or strain. Because epigenetically, you should be able to control your environment. How well are you eating? How well are you sleeping? What's your diet? Can we optimize your gut biome for your epigenetic profile? Epigenetics at its core is literally lifestyle driven. It's preventative healthcare, right? Just because you're prone to cancer doesn't mean that you have to develop cancer. Because you're prone to X, Y, Z doesn't mean that you have to activate those genes. 
that's epigenetics in a nutshell. And what excites me about devices like Wavi, and not just Wavi, but this whole healthcare movement and personalized healthcare movement, is that we can bring to light this epigenetic profile on showing that here's all the things that you can do to not only enhance your genetics, but also to help fight whatever you may have genetically pre-programmed. What does the future look like with this? So where's the technology going to be in five years, 10 years? So the whole backend side of Wabi is data analytics. Something that the medical field's never really caught on to is correlation-based data analytics. When you look at this data, the thing that people have never done in medicine is actually use big data to actually solve problems, right? If we want to bring a new drug to the market, it's five to 10 years of clinical trials. It's, you know, billions of dollars. And it's never based on an individual's archetype or who they are. It's just, here's something for the masses. Hopefully it works, right? What happens if you can start to create individual archetypes? What if you can actually start to create image recognition of someone's brain? PTSD, let's take that for an example. It's misdiagnosed almost 70% of the time. Why? Because it's subjective. If someone comes in for an evaluation on PTSD the night after their mom died, how much more prone are they to be in a low mood? How much more low mood are they after four nights of not sleeping? Versus if they've slept for four nights, they're properly nutritioned, and they just got a puppy that morning. We get back to these brain states, right? So this PTSD marker is completely subjective. We were able to prove five years ago that we can create a reliable marker for PTSD. Now, if I can create a reliable marker for PTSD in a brain state, what can I do to show all of the therapies that move you away from that marker? What if I can develop markers for pre-Alzheimer's, pre-dementia, 5, 10, 15 years prior to the onset of any symptoms? I've already proven that we can do it three years prior to the onset of any symptoms. What if we can start to change this future about or the conversation happening about depression? What if we can teach every kid in the world that depression's a state and it's not a trait? It's something that you have control over. It's not something that has control over you. Is there a marker for pre-suicide? Is there a marker for eating disorders? Is there a marker for chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia? There's so many things that we don't understand about the brain. And now we can create individual archetypes or clusters that actually move and show people what treatments they respond to most effectively based on their archetype. You've created a whole new wave of healthcare that's completely personalized medicine. What are some of the big successes you've had with people in terms of where they were using Wavi and where they are now? Yeah, I think that's a really good thing to actually cover because that's ultimately what's the driving factor? It's a human emotion. Human emotion is why we do anything in this world. And I think that that's the difficult thing for a lot of these companies to convey, especially in their marketing material. And I think that that's where I hate to use the word testimonials, but it's the stories that really change people's outlook on life. It's the thing that motivates us as humans. So I'll take my partner, Rob Martin, who's our president of Wabi Performance, left a 20-year career in a really, really amazingly paying job in Edwards Life Sciences, super high stress. He had uh, been exposed by one of our business partners, Scott Siemens, who was the original founder of Crocs to Wabi about four years ago. 
he scanned, his brain voltage was about 23 or 21 when he scanned four years ago. Got a promotion at work, two years of just absolute crazy hell. High strain environment, not sleeping, not eating, traveling consistently. Comes in, he scans his first day on the job with Wabi. His brain voltage has dropped from a 21 to a 14. It's a huge drop. It's a 33% drop in the amount of energy his brain is processing sensory information with. All of a sudden, it's a wake-up call. We just scanned him two months ago. Brain voltage is up to a 23. How much have we prevented in his life if he would have continued down that path, right? So there's one on a regular person. Now we get into the TBI side of things. 22-year-old, uh, it was the first time I met her. She was coming in her for her first consultation. I had the pleasure of doing a lobby on her. She was in a 128-mile-an-hour rollover accident. Her skull had shattered the driver's skull, um, who unfortunately did not live. Ultimately, comes in, I scan her. Normal brain voltage for her age group is probably anywhere. I would suspect to see 12 to 20 microvolts. That's how much energy she has. She was at 0.03 across the entire left-hand side of her brain. Hadn't walked in about six months by herself, hugely anxious, depressed, etc. Goes through about six months of treatment. I get the pleasure of going in to scan her after walking by herself for 20 minutes on a treadmill. Sit down, I scan her. Her brain voltage on the left-hand side of her brain had gone from 0.3 to 6.7 across her entire left cortex. All of a sudden, the entire family's in the room. I'm going over the results with them. Every one of them is in tears. I'm in tears. And all of a sudden, she turns to me, and the mother looks at me, and she goes, this is the first thing that has ever showed us that the work that we're putting into our daughter's brain is working. I keep up with her on a regular basis now. She's now up to 11 microvolts on her entire brain. She's walking. She's attending school again. She's going back to nursing school to specialize in traumatic brain injuries. And she credits the fact that she was able to see the fact that her brain was getting better to the fact that she was able to turn her life around. It made sure that the work or it validated the work that she was putting in every single day wasn't for nothing. Gave her hope again. You can go on for a hundred stories, but every one of them is, you know, motivation of you know, reversing dementia, Alzheimer's, to not keep giving up the fight. You know, families that literally overweight individuals are coming in, seeing their brain voltage, and they're losing 40, 50, 60, 70 pounds because they're realizing that it's the way to prevent dementia and Alzheimer's. Seeing stroke therapy patients that are, you know, suffering from stroke issues or epilepsy issues and going under treatment to see what's actually working versus what's not. The list goes on and on. And it's just been the most amazing two years to work with these people uh, day in and day out. My brother suffered deeply from depression and anxiety all through high school, bullied, et cetera. And I just think about it as someone that, you know, took some pretty radical steps in high school, you know, and I don't need to go there. I think everyone can kind of figure out where I'm going with that. Is that imagine if I could have shifted the conversation to teach him that depression was just a state. It was something he could control. And if I could show him what working out does, show him what working, sleeping correctly does, show him what exercise does to his brain, and show him that that state can be manipulated, 
and that he has control over that, what's the world we can create? That's really powerful. I think also, as you were talking there, Paul, I was thinking, I coach rugby. And in rugby now, there's a big issue with concussion and TBIs, etc. I could see a really strong application for Wavi in the area of, you know, is somebody ready to go back to play? Because it's so subjective. And in the UK, and in the UK, it's if you're under 19, you have to allow at least 23 days. And I think if you're an adult, it can be 14 days. But actually, we don't measure the brain. We don't know whether the individual or the brain's really ready to return to play because you know, I've known some quite prominent rugby players that have had one concussion, gone back to play, had another one fairly quickly, and another one. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, some players have lost their speech for four or five days. I think there's a really strong application here for our people really ready to return to sport. You're 100% you hit the nail on the head. I mean, literally perfectly, but I'm going to change your verbiage just a little bit. I'm going to say, when aren't they ready to go back to play, right? Because is it ever really safe to play rugby, football, you know, UK football? It's never really safe, but is there a better way that we can measure to show people when they're still, their brain has still not recovered? And there is. It's a Wabi scam. The reality of the fact is every player in the world for any sort of impact sports, especially even volleyball, women's soccer has a huge high rate of concussions, headers, et cetera, right? So, you know, and this is all the concussion research, but you can't fake it, right? So we did a six-year study with the NCAA and a Division I school here in the U.S. with football. And what we found is in 100% of players, there's at least a 40% drop in P300 voltage. The scary part is that 45-ish percent of players are going back to play before that P300 voltage had returned to baseline. The even scarier part about that is most of the time and or a good majority of the time, that voltage didn't return through the end of the season, two seasons, three seasons, four seasons down the line. Now, on the other hand, if we allowed the players to recover and their brain voltage had become what it was preseason, the likelihood of that voltage being suppressed at the end of the season was statistically significantly lower, especially if there was not another event. So rugby, football, soccer, lacrosse, volleyball. Why is every single player not getting a baseline scan? It's affordable. It's quick. It's simple. It's actionable and take it one step further. What's the pressure that these athletes feel to go back into play before they're ready, right? Because is a brain injury real? You know, one of the biggest issues, I was just at a concussion symposium two weeks ago that we were sponsoring. And one of the biggest things is that coaches and parents are saying, well, are they just faking it? Do they just not want to play? How much stress or strain is that putting on that player's mind? Are you causing anxiety, are you causing depression, which is a whole nother issue? Versus if we get the objective data, there's no argument. Then let's take it one step further. What are the therapies that actually help recover that injury, whatever it may be, faster? Right? Because what is a concussion? Guess what? Nobody knows. The leading experts in the world don't know. The only way to really accurately describe a concussion is that it's a metabolic crisis of the brain. 
there's how many symptoms are there for a concussion? What changes from person to person to person? So when we asked our AI to find a reliable marker for a concussion, it couldn't do it. Versus it can do it for pre-Alzheimer's, pre-dementia. It can do it for PTSD, right? Because those are all states and they're reliable. But concussion, concussion varies from brain to brain to brain to brain to brain. So we need a personalized way to measure every single person. So Paul, how do you measure concussion in the brain? If it's individual. Right now? Yeah. There isn't a way right now. With a WAVI, just get a baseline scan. Here's your brain. I know exactly what your brain is beforehand. I know exactly what it is after the event. And then I could see exactly when it's recovered. So you're able to basically identify the delta change before and after. And if there's a say, suspected concussion, you can put that delta down to the fact that there is a concussion. Exactly. Or something that has impaired functionality of the brain, right? Call that a concussion or not, whatever you want to put that word on, something has impaired your functionality of the brain. Likely the blow to your head. You know, it's easy to get wrapped up in this concussion world, but you know, it is such a great device for it. But then if you really open up the doorway to the mental health side of things, the dementia, Alzheimer's prevention, the performance side of things. Imagine if every entrepreneur had a year over your brain scan and we could start optimizing their brain, teaching them the habits that make them more effective, not only in their health, but in their business. If you took this to a company in terms of wellness, productivity, decrease in sick days, increase in retention, Game changer. If you're running a $300 million company, $400 million company, billion dollar company, how irreplaceable are you? Well, nobody's irreplaceable, but you have knowledge. What happens when your mind starts going? What if I can teach you ways to keep that from happening as long as possible? How would somebody get in touch with a Wabi practitioner or look at building Wabi into their coaching practice? Yeah, so right now, everything's through our website. We have a Find a Wabi Practitioner Near You application on our website. We have just started expanding globally now that we're getting all of our certification in order because obviously here in the States and the UK and Australia all have very different certification processes. So we are finally launching internationally, which has been really exciting and growing extremely quickly. But if someone's interested in bringing in Wabi, we have a place on our website. How much would it be to sort of have an average Wabi consultation or to have Wabi in your practice? Yeah, so price point wise, you know, literally to the general consumer, it'll be anywhere from I'd say 80 to $300, depending on where the practice is getting it. We only charge the practitioner, we have a practitioner one time licensing fee of $7,500. And that's it. And I know $7,500 can sound like a lot. But when you really look at medical devices, you're talking 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 100, $500,000 for most medical devices. So $7,500 is extremely affordable, especially what you're getting. I mean, truly for a clinical EEG, like what we're getting, it's a six figure EEG. But that's not our goal. Our goal is to make this data accessible to people and actionable. There is a per scan usage to the practitioner cost, and that's just the raw disposable electrodes that go into the headset, but they're an extremely minimal price. It's a super minimal cost. I mean, we're talking, you know, 30, 40, 50 bucks, depending on volume. It's ridiculously affordable. 
if your baseline scan and it's throwing up some issues, how does Wavi then provide some information on how you can positively impact those issues or you know, increase the voltage, etc.? Is it just the mechanism of the scan before and after, and it's up to the practitioner to then interpret that exactly. and suggest the action? Yeah. Here in the United States, the FDA doesn't like it when you are allowed to serve cake and eat it too. They don't like that, which is okay. But that's why we have so many amazing collaborators. We're working with one of our partners. We're flying down to Costa Rica to work with ayahuasca for PTSD for soldiers. We're going to pre-post them. Yeah, so that's happening in March, which will be really, really cool. So we're going to do that, but we're also doing another Costa Rica retreat for a wellness retreat for general individuals. And by establishing their baseline, is there a type of individual that responds better to different types of treatments? And that's all the data that we can provide to all of our practitioners. And that's where it's an open source collaboration. So one last thing before we go, what would be your top three tips for our audience? So executives in terms of how they can increase their personal and professional performance. Number one would be prioritize your health. Make it a priority. It's really easy to shuck off. I'll sleep when I'm dead. You know, if I'm sleeping or if I'm exercising or I'm taking time to take care of myself, I'm not taking care of my company. The reality of the fact is the longer and longer you do that, the more and more you're compromising yourself, which is compromising your ability to lead yourself, your company, and your employees. For so long, I prided myself on the fact that I would sleep two to three hours at the very most for years. I mean, seriously, years. And you hit a point of burnout, and it will happen. It's not if, it's when. And the minute you start prioritizing your health, you start prioritizing your company's health, which prioritizes the culture of your company, and you'll see exponential increase. So that's number one. Number two is realize that there are ways to get this information. It's not your practitioner's job to look at your health. It's yours. The onus has always been on you and you can take control of it. Just like you can take control of your company, you can take control of your employees, you can take control of the culture of your company, you can take care of your health. Goes back to number one. Number three is culture for me. Just like you would have any sort of culture around your healthcare. You have to have the proper healthcare system in your company or with the individuals that you surround yourself with. If you surround yourself with the individuals that are prioritizing their health, prioritizing their energy, prioritizing who they spend time with, you're prioritizing it because it's something that you prioritize. It's the same thing with your company if you run a company. The number one thing in all of my companies that we look at is our culture. I don't care how good of a salesperson you are. I don't care how good you are at data analytics. If you don't add positive culture to the company, you do not have a job with me. We all work together. Nobody works for anybody. It's a collaborative effort at all times. Everyone plays their portion. And I think that when people start to really realize that, that we get less burnout, we get happier employees, we get happier people in this world, and it's generally better for every single person. That would be my top three. Thanks, Paul. That was really great. Amazing insight. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. I love what you guys are doing. I think this is a phenomenal platform. I think it'll be really cool. I'm really excited to watch it grow. I want to say a huge thank you to both of you. I really have enjoyed the conversation, so thank you for the time. Oh, thank you, Paul. I'd like to thank Paul for his time and insights. Do check out Paul on his social channels. Friendly reminder, visit www.upgradedexecutive.com forward slash subscribe 
we will send you a special link so you can access the videos one week before we officially release them. You can follow us on all our social channels at Connect with UE and our website www.upgradedexecutive.com.